Texas A&M and Auburn had the battle of the mid. All our Southern NFL teams lost, but it's still early, so we shouldn't worry. Alabama looks like their old self. The Miami Dolphins dropped 70 points against the Broncos. And how will the Saints do without Derek Carr for the next few weeks? All of this and more on this Tuesday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Solomon, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Take 14. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all sports in different forms and variety. Chrissy cannot make it. She's feeling a little under the weather, but don't worry. She will be back on our Friday episodes to get excited. Happy end of fasting and Gamar Hatima. It's Yom Kippur. Obviously, Yom Kippur just ended and we are recording this a little bit later, but that is okay. Obviously, I'm Jewish, and it's very important that we celebrate the Jewish New Year. So Rosh Hashanah is over, Yom Kippur is over, and we are full speed ahead to the next year. Now, outside of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur ending, we have some very interesting details that need to be discussed, and that is about the Texas A&M and Auburn recap. So obviously, in this game, Auburn could get nothing going. I mean, they had 200 yards of offense. That's not going to win games. And the Texas A&M looks pretty good, but then also with this, it's Texas A&M. And, you know, if we know anything from Christie, we know that Texas A&M will have one big win and they'll try and ride that in by the fingernail and then it'll keep them from firing Jimbo, even though most Texas A&M fans want to fire Jimbo. Now, Auburn could not get anything going. They benched their quarterback, they benched Peyton Thorne. And they started their backup. And that didn't really help either. They can run the ball really well, which is terrific, but that's kind of it. And, you know, if you are trying to run the ball, then Alabama's defense and Georgia's defense is kind of licking their lips thinking, oh, man, if they're only going to run the ball, then we're great. This is Hugh Freeze, who many people were recalling as an offensive giant, and he's not looking like that. Now, with this, here's the other thing, too. You couldn't get too excited about Auburn because they haven't played anyone. They played Texas A&M finally, and after that, they didn't look good. So does this mean that Auburn is set for the future? I mean, maybe, but they need someone who can step up at receiver. And right now, we haven't seen that. So we'll just kind of have to keep our eyes open on that in the future. But here's another thing that just didn't really make sense is that Jimbo was on the field. So Auburn only had one touchdown, and it was a fumble return for a touchdown. Also another thing, you're not going to win games if your defense is going to do that. There's only two teams that can turn their defense into offense, and that's Alabama and Georgia. Auburn had three total points from offensive production, a field goal. The other seven points was from their defense. That's good, but that's not going to win you a game. But when the player was returning the fumble, Jimbo Fisher was on the field. Now, Jimbo, you don't play defense. You were a former quarterback at Samford. So that's great that you, you know, want to be on the field and learn how to play defense. But you don't play defense, and you never have. And aren't you a little old? I don't think you have any eligibility left. So with this, I mean, this was just a very interesting game. It's kind of how someone would explain it as this is the Battle of Midway or the Battle of Mid, and maybe it is, but I'm not seeing a good amount from Texas A&M or Auburn right now. 
So I think with this, they just kind of need to find a way to improve and just do better. Now, moving on to our next point, which is in regards to the NFL, all of our Southern teams lost. Now, it's early. You know, it's week three. So there's still time for the playoffs to come. But right now, we have two concerns about two of our Southern teams, the Titans and the Falcons. Because neither of those teams had any offense going. And that's kind of concerning because you need offense to win in the NFL. You know, the Falcons were 2-0. They had that upset win over the Packers. And then the Titans had a really good win in overtime the previous week against the Chargers. And they just looked like a shell of each other. Now, with the Falcons, I'm going to keep saying it again, and I will always say it. You need to use Kyle Pitts. It's as if they forget him. You make someone one of the highest draft tight end since Tony Gonzalez and you don't really use him, you've got to use him. And then you also have some pretty good players too, but Bijan looked off, Tyler Algier looked off, and you can't really score to six points. So with this, remember, you're also playing teams like the Saints later on, the Bucks later on. And once you play those teams, you need to kind of figure out what step you want to go into. So just kind of be on the lookout because this schedule will get harder for the Falcons. Now, the Saints and the Panthers looked pretty good. You know, the Saints had a punt return for a touchdown. You know, they had Jimmy Graham score, which is kind of crazy because Jimmy Graham is, you know, someone who has not played for the Saints in a while. And the Panthers put up some pretty good amount of yards and some points. It was just an unfortunate event. You know, with the Saints, you lose because you give up 17 points, I mean, 18 points, in the second half, you just have to work on that drill. But should these teams be nervous? I don't think so. I mean, we still have a lot of ball left. Anyone who thinks that whatever team is going to make the playoffs in week two or three does not know that there are, oh, I don't know, 14 more weeks of football. So I think with this, they shouldn't really focus on something this early on and just say, you know, what should we do? Should we be good here? Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's still very early. And how many times do we see a team, you know, lose a game or two? It's very simple to lose a game in the NFL. And I think with this, we just kind of have to be on the lookout for what could happen. Now, the Panthers, they started 0-3. Should we freak out? I really don't know. I mean, Bryce Young is not playing, but you also have a good veteran leadership in Andy Dalton and Adam Thielen. So I think you should be fine. Yes, it sucks. You're 0-3. You know, you're at the bottom of the division. But I think with this, you should kind of look forward to the future. You know, you get Bryce Young back. You get that chemistry back. Remember, it's a rebuilding team. I don't understand why people who go through rebuildings think that everything's going to be figured out right away. It's not going to. I mean, just look at the Nationals. Nationals have currently won about 14 more games than they did last year. That's great. They still have to rebuild. You have to look at this with some of these teams. Again, I feel like these teams just don't know that a rebuild is something that's happening and then just say, oh yeah, we expect to be good after one year. Now moving on to our next points, which are in regards to the NFL, of course, with the Dolphins scoring 70 points. Look, I am all for the love of Tua and people putting respect on his name. But, oh my gosh, 70 points. This is probably the most points we've seen all season. And first and foremost, put some respect on Tua's name. That's right. All the analysts who are saying that Tua isn't that great, he's outperforming some of the 
NFL quarterbacks right now. I mean, he's outperforming Joe Burrow. He's outperforming Justin Herbert. And these are players who were drafted in the same draft as him. So, yeah, put some respect onto his name. And, oh, my gosh. You know, with this, you know, 70 points, did anyone expect Devon Achen and Raheem Mostert to have that many points? Because I am played Raheem Mostert in one of my leagues, and he destroyed me. But anyway, with this, you know, they do this without Jalen Waddle. You know, to think that this is a team that did it without Jalen Waddle, they're probably their second best wide receiver, probably even a number one wide receiver in any other team, and still to score 70 points, that's terrific. Now, how out fault are the Broncos for this? You know, I hate to ask this because I will always love Sean Payton and respect him for everything he did for the Saints, but it, they just do not look right. I think right now with the idea of them not having proper clock management and being successful, and obviously they have, you know, all the injuries, they're just not looking good. And Mike McDaniel just did not seem to care. He wanted to put 70 on this team, and I mean, I'm okay with it. You know, I know that sounds bad to hear, but we have a lot of players in the NFL who came from college and are used to high-scoring teams, and now you get that back here. I mean, you watch an NFL game, and you're expecting to see a 25-20 to 20 game or something with, you know, between 30 points. You're not going to get 70 points, but this Denver Broncos team gave up 70 points, and I think with this, you know, there's a lot more to learn from this Broncos team because it's still early in the season. Now, could the Dolphins make the playoffs? I really think so. I mean, they're the only undefeated team in the AFC East. The AFC East doesn't look the best right now. I mean, you know, they played the Patriots and they beat the Patriots by a pretty close score. And they are going to start playing other teams in the AFC East. But I think with this, they have a really good shot to make the playoffs, especially with other teams in the AFC who are former playoff teams struggling. You know, you've got the Chargers who are struggling, the Bengals who are struggling, the Chiefs struggled week one, and then the Raiders are also struggling too. So I could see it being anything between the Bills and the Dolphins, and then maybe even... The Ravens, I believe, too. But aside from that, you know, we'll see what goes on here. But I'm excited for it. You know, I'm a big fan of Tua. You know, I remember him coming on the field for second and 26 and winning the game. And so many people were saying, oh, Tua's, you know, never going to play again. Well, now he's making you eat his words, which I think is very well deserved and very important to see here. Now, on to our next point which is in regards to Alabama's dominant win over Ole Miss. Now, Alabama had a really good win over Ole Miss, but they had a slow first half. And with this, I think this is what they needed to have to get things out of the way. They needed to have that slow first half and then readjust. The offensive line gave up four sacks in the first half. They didn't give up a single sack in the second half. Jalen Milrose struggled in the first half. He didn't struggle in the second half. They went back to basics. They ran the ball and relied on their defense. Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell have the number of sacks that they had last year, this year, in four games. That's incredible. But you need to figure out some things as well. Jalen Milrow needs to learn how to read coverages better. Please also never line up in the shotgun on the one-yard line ever again. You need to fix the snaps. You need to figure out why your offensive line was not doing well in the first half, but did really well in the second half. 
You need to design the playbook for Jalen. Run an RPO. Run with, you know, two tight ends. And thank you for featuring the tight ends. You know, I'm super happy about that. My friend Tyler is going to be like, screw you. You love tight ends way too much. But I'm here for it. But I think with this, they went back to basics and that's what they needed to do. They needed to run the ball and that's what they've been needing for a while. Jason McClellan and Roydell Williams are a great tandem. They're a lot like Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram. I know that's very crazy to say early on, but think about it. When those two were getting things going, they were set and Alabama would win football games. And Jalen Milrow, I know he has had trouble with those interceptions, but after he gets an interception, he shakes it off and he'll be fine. He has a great deep ball. And very soon we can see this matchup and these plays open up to where it'll complement his deep ball. So be on the lookout there. But overall, this was a good team when they go in to play Mississippi State this upcoming week in Starkville at 8 p.m. Who schedules an 8 p.m. game on a Saturday? That's just crazy to me. And I think with this, they'll be able to get some things going and improve. So I'm excited. Great, terrific win for this Alabama team. They needed this win because so many people had counted them out. And now it looks like they're trying to get back to basics. And with the SEC being very wide open, I think they can secure a much more competitive wins in the upcoming weeks before they go down to Starkville and then Texas A&M. And then before you know it, you've got Tennessee coming up and Alabama, they should very much want revenge. Now, moving on to our final point, which is in regards to Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr got slammed to the ground yesterday in the loss to the Green Bay Packers. He has suffered a sprained AC joint in his shoulder, and he avoided serious injury, which is good. However, their Saints aren't going to rush him back because, you know, they shouldn't be. And I think with this, you know, they're doing the right thing by making sure that he is okay. And they said that he they'd be surprised if he played Sunday versus the Bucks. They're just going to give him that Sunday off. Now, he might be back in a few games. We don't know. But a sprained AC joint, it really just depends on comfort and how he's cleared by the doctors. Now, could he play again later on this year? I hope so. I feel like right now, you know, he has been a really good quarterback for the Saints. I know that the numbers don't pop up right off the page, you know, really with him only throwing, I believe, two touchdowns. But still, you know, this is very big for him because you look at this and you just say that you can see that he has made a difference with leadership in his time in New Orleans. Now, with this, Jameis Winston is going to be getting the start, and he can be solid, you know, he can be pretty solid, he can get the job done, but I know he has some trouble with the turnovers. Now, the thing about Jameis, though, is that he has good chemistry with his team. He understands everyone, he's been there for a while, he was Drew's backup, and he was the starter, and then everyone had seemed to rally around him, so I feel like this could be really good for him. And also, Alvin Kamara comes back in this upcoming game. Remember, they don't have Jamal Williams right now. He's on IR for the next few games. Then you've got Kendra Miller, who looked pretty good, and Tony Jones. Getting Alvin Kamara back is going to be really beneficial. And then you also still have really good receivers. You know, Michael Thomas has looked really good, and Chris Olave looks really good. And then so does Rashid Shaheed, who's your speed guy and your punt returner, who had a punt return for a touchdown in the game. And then you also will have Marcus May coming back in a few games too. So, I mean, eventually you'll have the full team healthy. 
But I think with this right now, you know, this team needs to rally around Jameis. And I think they can because they know him and they're familiar with him. So I don't see anything necessarily wrong with this case for him. But the big concern here comes down to the offensive line because the offensive line has given up so many sacks to Derek Carr. Now, I look at it as this, you know, with Cesar Ruiz, who just had a concussion, you have Andrus Pete coming in. Could he be a big difference? Absolutely. But this offensive line needs to play better. They've been struggling a lot so much recently, and that's what's been causing them some closer games. If they can keep playing really well, they should be fine. But right now, they need to protect Jameis, give holes for Alvin Kamara to run, and they also need to make sure that these players are getting separation. Because I think if they can keep doing that, they should be able to be fine and have a good record for when Derek Carr comes back. But that is going to do on this Tuesday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Jake's Take Podcast. And my personal Instagram, Jake'sil14. You can follow Christy on Instagram, TikTok threads at Christy underscore double zero. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. Your home for all sports in different forms and variety. You can find this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. We're basically on all podcast platforms. We will be back on Friday to discuss some more exciting news and some more changes that are going on with the NFL and college football and getting you ready for week four in the NFL and week five in college football. I know it's exciting that we're already here. As always, drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. We greatly appreciate everything y'all have done for us to help us keep growing. And we love bringing out content to you every week. And we've grown so much. And we really do appreciate that. And as always, as always, as always, Gamar Khatima Tova, which means have a safe and meaningful fast. And Shana Tova, which is a happy, healthy new year for everyone out there, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish. Continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Bring smiles into this world. Be alone in this world. The world is still a very scary place and needs our help. And as always, we will see you here from y'all later. Take care.